Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. Just me today, and I've got a few brief thoughts to share with you. Because what I want to do is to draw together the threads of several uh, podcasts and other teaching uh, episodes from the last few weeks, which have all clustered around a central theme of uh, how we conduct ourselves in worship. And I wanted to just draw some threads together and uh, point the way towards some related ideas which we're lord willing going to be thinking about in the weeks and months ahead so just to recap for you we've had a couple of podcasts we had one where i started talking about the issue of what we wear in church when we come to worship then i talked about uh, reverence in worship more generally and how we comport ourselves and how we seek to train our children to participate in worship then Wednesday night Bible study, we looked at Psalm 122 uh, on the theme of reverence in worship. And there are some elements of uh, that psalm which pointed in a similar direction. And uh, what I want to do in drawing those threads together is to make uh, one observation that underlies them all. And then, as I said, just point towards uh, another cluster of ideas. The uniting theme, really, to the extent that there is one, in uh, those three uh, recordings, two podcasts and a, a talk on Wednesday night, is that the God whom we come to worship is other than us. He is different than us. He is above us. He is Uh, in a sense, far from us. He is as far from us as the heavens are above the earth. What I mean by that is that the norms that tend to characterize our behavior, the way we relate to each other, the normal casualness, for example, that I spoke about at one point in one of those previous recordings, uh, uh, ought to be cast aside in the pursuit of the enrichment of a relationship with our God who is other than us. Underlying this, of course, is the doctrine of creation, which establishes a distinction between the creator and the created. So when we come to God, we are coming to him as one who is other than us. Of course, the doctrine of creation also establishes a deep intimacy and connection between God and us. We'll come to that in a, a few minutes' time. I want to say something about that too. But just dwell on that point that uh, I highlight, first of all, that God is other than us. We come to worship someone whom we can't see when we ourselves are visible. In worship, we approach Uh, someone who is outside of time and space and not himself essentially embodied. The triune God has no physical body. Uh, Christ, the Son, is incarnate, embodied as man, but in his essence, God is invisible and, and not incarnate as a physical being. He's not a physically embodied God like the idols of the ancient world. We come to a God who has no physical body but we ourselves do have physical bodies Uh, we come to one who is holy and pure while we ourselves are unholy because of our sin and therefore impure 
And so what that means is we would or should not be surprised if the normal ways in which we go about conducting ourselves in day-to-day life don't sit easily with how we ought to conduct ourselves when we come to divine worship. I suggest that there's no other time during the week, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no other time during the week where we routinely kneel in order to speak to somebody else, as we do when we confess our sins. There aren't other times in the week when we lift our hands in that stylized form in which we sing the doxology and some other elements of our service uh, at All Saints. There aren't other times when we do that, but we do those things in worship. There probably aren't that many other times when we sit and listen for an extended period to somebody else speaking to us and expounding an ancient, ancient text in the form of a sermon, of course, as they're reading and expanding the scriptures to us. Of course, there may be other times when we do that. The wonders of modern technology allow us to listen to sermons at other times of the week as well. But the point stands, we're doing strange things when we come to worship the living God because he is other than us. And so the underlying rationale that governs the different elements of our worship service wherein they are unusual is that God is other than us. And it's the doctrine of creation that establishes that. God has created something that is other than him and distinct than him. And of course, he wants to be in communion with or in relationship with that created order. And that's what worship is. We're coming into relationship with one who is other than us. I was talking with Pastor Shaw today. We were looking at um, some material that he's been working on for his sermon this coming Sunday. As I record this, it's uh, the 15th of uh, December, Friday the 15th. And uh, so Pastor Shaw is preaching on the 17th, which will be in the past by the time you listen to this. But um, I mentioned a quotation I'd heard. I think it was from Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament scholar from years ago, where he said, when you preach, I was talking to Pastor Shaw, when you preach, you're bringing a message from another place. And there's something about that that goes deeper than just the fact that, you know, you're, you're speaking the word of God. Of course you are speaking the word of God. That's deep enough. But the, the word resonates and echoes as a word spoken from heaven to earth. And that distinction is part of the reason why, the underlying reason why, really, the way we conduct ourselves in worship is so different than what we're used to. So perhaps that helps to alleviate or at least explain some of the weirdness that we feel. And especially if you're new to All Saints, you may still have that feeling of this is a bit strange. I don't normally do this. And of course, no, you don't. No, you don't. And the reason you don't normally do it is because it's not normal. What we're doing in worship is not normal because in worship we are deliberately trying to accommodate ourselves to the other place where God dwells in heaven and to shape ourselves appropriately. But I did hint at some other directions and I want to uh, just put these out on the table, so to speak, for you to think about because I want to revisit some of these in the coming weeks and months. Uh, the corollary of the fact that we're coming to the living God who is other than us in this other place as he is enthroned in heaven, the corollary of that is our goal is that that other place should shape us, that 
our worship in the sanctuary should shape us and therefore thereby shape the world in which we find ourselves. To put it in, in other terms, the cult, uh, the, the worship environment in which we uh, find ourselves, into which we step when we worship God, the cult should create culture. And indeed, that's what happens. The worship in which we engage on the Lord's Day where we step into a different mode of interaction with one who is other than us, should shape and change us so that we become increasingly different from and distinct from the world around us. Think of the church as a seed of a newly recreated humanity, which then grows and spreads throughout and across the world. That's the goal of created life. That is what we talk about when we talk about the growth of the kingdom. It's the growth of this Christian counterculture within the world. Uh, I was thinking of this in part because I was rereading Peter Lighthart's amazing and wonderful book, Against Christianity. I'm going to be teaching through this for an eschatology class with the uh, Bible and theology students at the Oaks Tutorials and one or two um, All Saints people as well in the new year. And in the fifth chapter, uh, the chapter entitled For Augustine, uh, he uh, begins with this paragraph. I want to read it to you, and, and this will then connect, I hope, to some things that we'll talk about in um, the coming weeks. The mission of the church, Lightheart writes, can be described as a double movement. On the one hand, the church is called to withdraw from the world, to be a counterculture, a separate city within the world's cities, challenging and clashing with the world by unapologetically speaking her own language, telling her own stories, enacting her own rights, practicing her own way of life. Though she shares considerable cultural space with the world, the church is not an institution in the world alongside other institutions. She is an alternative world unto herself with her roots in heaven being formed, formed by being drawn into the community of Father, Son and Spirit. You see how that draws together the two things I've said so far. It, it draws together the otherness of the church because we're being aligned with the one who is other than us. It draws that together with the reality that that encounter with God is creating something new here on earth in our own lives as a community, as families, as individuals, as married couples, uh, as we go out into the workplace, as we do all the different things involved in our vocation. So what's happening is the fulfillment of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This worship then, to put the whole thing a different way, our worship is designed to empower us and provoke and promote within us the creation of a new culture and a lot of what I want to talk about in the next few weeks especially in the new year will be about this new culture I want to try and help us to think through what it means for us to instantiate and live out genuinely new and transformed Christian culture in our homes among our friends within our families in a world which may be hostile to Christ but who is the world is stuck with Christ because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is gathering his people into his presence to worship him, and he is extending his kingdom through his people in the world. In other words, he is spreading Christian culture. Christian culture comes as the fruit of Christian worship. 
And we need to give attention both to the character of Christian worship, how we go about worshiping God, the mechanics of it, and so on, as we have done in these um, podcasts and talks I've mentioned. And also we need to give attention to the details of how we should be formed and how we should be seeking to form Christian culture in the world around us. This is necessary, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world. Peter goes on um, uh, to highlight what you might express uh, in evangelistic terms if you were writing a different book than this one. But let me just read the next paragraph for you and you'll see what I mean. The church is not, however, simply a counterculture. She has been given the subversive mission of converting whatever culture she finds herself in. She works to the end that her language, her rites, that is to say her rituals, her way of life might become formative for an entire society. She withdraws from the world for the sake of the world. Having been drawn into the communion of the triune God, she participates also in the mission of the triune God. You see what he's saying? I think it's a profoundly uh, helpful way of articulating the church's task. We are first to gather near to God, the one who is other than us. And here are some practical things we should think about as we do that. And I've mentioned some from clothing to coffee cups to children in the last few weeks. We draw near to God with the expectation that we'll be shaped by him as we go out into the world for our own sake, for the sake of our families, and for the sake of the world around us. So expect to hear a little bit more about this, Lord willing, in the next few weeks and months. I want to work with you through some specific ways in which the culture of heaven ought to uh, permeate and begin to characterize our lives here on earth as the people of God. Uh, I suspect that some of it may be familiar to some of you, but a lot of it will not be familiar to you. And or at the very least, it will be making explicit things that you may have seen here and there, but hopefully, Lord willing, you'll benefit from just having them drawn out and fleshed out and the details articulated a little bit. With the goal that we may, how does Peter put it, participate in the mission of the triune God, the heavenization of earth, the bringing to fullness of the kingdom of God here in the world that belongs to him. The Lord bless you. Take care. And bye for now. <laughs>